0: this episode of Print Run. My name is Eric Kane and with me as always is Laura Zatz. Say hello, Laura.
1: Hello, Laura. (laughs) I pull that out (laughs) every once in a while because I know how much you hate it.
0: Yeah, Um, I I certainly do hate it. Um, And I hate it today, which is March 13th. Um, And we have a really good show for you today. I think it's going to be fairly chatty like the last one. Um, But before we get to any of that, why don't we start with a basic rundown?
1: Hooray. So last Thursday, which I believe was March 9th, uh, our query episode came out for our Patreon supporters. Mm-hmm. That's where we go through and we read and critique your queries online. So each query gets like about 10 to 15 minutes. Yeah. It's pretty hardcore. We
0: so, plan it out. I mean, it is. it really is like 10 minutes per query. 10 to 15. Yeah.
1: Really? Uh. Well, all that's to say, so that's already out And our First Pages show, where we do the exact same thing with your first page, comes out next Thursday, March 23rd. -hmm. So if you want to submit to us either your query or your first page, send it to us at printrunpodcasts at gmail.com. Also, anybody can send us their query or their first page. But to have access to both, I guess, your submission and everybody (laughs) else's, you have to be a Patreon on patreon.com it's like patron but with an e before the o um so you have to be a $5 supporter for the Query Show and a $10 supporter for the First Pages Show. And that happens every month. So you get lots of content. Hashtag content.
0: <laughs> um, I guess before we start, the other thing is um, we are up to – I was so pleased to see this. We're up to like 20 really good, nice reviews on iTunes. On iTunes? iTunes? Yeah. Nice. Um, that So that was exciting. And I guess I would just kind of reiterate amidst that excitement that if you are liking the show – um, and you haven't let yet weighed in anywhere online about it like we'd love to hear from you on iTunes or anywhere else um, give us a little rating and i I think I think and I need to research this but the more reviews we get the closer we get to chasing down like like I'm pretty obsessed with the charts you know specifically
1: like- <laughs> where New York Times is on the chart in relationship to us
0: yeah yeah, yeah. no I want to hunt them down um, like the dogs that they are and so uh, <laughs> um, and I think that reviews help us do that so
1: we would appreciate um, we would your four or five stars, yeah, we, specifically your five stars. If you don't like us, then just don't just listen and just me. leave it. Yeah, no, we'll yeah. just <laughs> just leave it. Um,
0: <laughs> anyway, anyway, that's enough solicitation for today. Um. So to start, um, I guess a good lead in here is that I have thankfully, thankfully, thankfully been mostly logged off. For the last few weeks, I've kind of just taken it upon myself to not do much scrolling of Twitter. I've made it a like just a personal policy to try to just like respond only for work stuff or like for print run specific stuff. You finish
1: your novel and you become a totally <laughs> different person. I'm a
0: complete snob now. Yeah. Um, but I couldn't help but notice the other day that all of y'all um, and by y'all, I mean writer Twitter. Um, you guys are obsessed with something. And I think. I'm going to have you explain it to me, but I think the joy here is that I have just no idea what it is. I don't know what – I think it's a book. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um, But it's a book that I've never heard of or seen. It's a book that I don't know anything about. I don't know who wrote it. I don't know its title. And so I think we have kind of an interesting chance here for you to just tell me – To
1: mansplain (laughs) this phenomenon to you?
0: To laura explain this project to me um, because – I don't know anything about it. All I know is that I keep seeing this hashtag thug. Hashtag. Is that right? Is it an acronym? Is it a. Th- are we it just is talking and it about isn't. The thug life? Like, what are we. What it are we is doing?
1: and it isn't.
0: Because, well, okay, yeah. So, why don't you tell me what this is? Because I have no idea. And I willfully didn't look it up before this show because I wanted just to have you explain it to me instead of like doing some research. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. So, to explain this first, we have to go back to the 90s. And we have to go as back we to. Al-
0: as we always do.
1: And we have to go back to Tupac Shakur. <laughs>
0: Mm Mm-hmm. The same. Yep.
1: Yep. Uh so Tupac had like acronyms for the N-word and he had like he turned that into an acronym and he had thug life also was an acronym. And so thug was the hate you give. Uh Uh-huh. And then um and then some other stuff, But basically, like base- So it, it, what it meant.
0: You and me explaining uh, Tupac <laughs> on a podcast is definitely the funniest thing <laughs> we've ever done. By the so way.
1: basically, what it meant <laughs> is that yeah. the institutionalized racism and you know the the school to prison pipeline and all that j- sure. all that jazz. Sure. Um, all of that basically come – like that you give to children comes back around and has this long-lasting negative effect on specifically black communities in the world at large.
0: Uh-huh.
1: So that – And we're, so, real,
0: we're real amped up about that this week? I mean are you <laughs> never
1: ramped up about Tupac? Because I'm always, always into Tupac. OK.
0: okay. So how, do, how is this like – so in what form did this thing – Okay. okay so that's that's yeah.
1: what thug is an acronym for. The hate you give. Sure. Okay? Okay, got it. Uh the hate you give is took took that and uh-huh. it's a it's also a book title that uh-huh. launched last oh. Tuesday. Oh, it's a book. It's a book.
0: I knew it was a book. All right. So keep it's going. a book?
1: Mm-hmm. It's a young adult mm-hmm. novel okay. by a woman named Angie Thomas who's amazing.
0: Okay.
1: Um and it is the best book of the year.
0: Why is it the best book of the year?
1: Well, for two reasons, Eric. Please, please. one, it's just hella good.
0: What's good? So, at, well, so, like, I, I don't mean to be like a stick. So, part of the reason that I didn't look any of this up beforehand is because I really wanted to like have it drilled down, like, why this stuff is really good. I believe that it is, and I'm excited to hear about why it is. But I kind of had a sense that this was, like, a project—I think it hit number one. I saw a Pamela Paul yep. tweet about it how It debuted on the New York Times yeah. bestseller list yeah. at number it one. It debuted at number one. So this is, a, this is a phenomenon. This is
1: a phenomenon. This is a phenomenon. it also, It also—it received, received eight starred reviews, Okay, which is an insane amount. If you get one starred review, that's, that's a getting, huge deal. Where are
0: you getting eight starred reviews from? I, can I don't all, even I can know. Only I can't even think know of like, there were eight yeah, places. No, I can only think of, like, two or three places that even do it. Like, which one's, like— I, Kirkus, Publishers Weekly, yep, and Library Journal,
1: yep. I don't know who uh, else gives out star reviews journey. Um, I, you know what? Places yeah. probably came up and start like existed <laughs> just, like it just made up
0: a star. Just, <laughs> they okay. were like, we're existing okay. just
1: to give this book a so, star because it's so good. Okay, so, so this is
0: what I want you to do. I want you to explain to me to someone who doesn't know anything about this book yet, um, and about. I mean, obviously, you know, I don't read that much or any, I guess, at this point, YA literature. Um, why is this book at number one? Like, number one, not like why do people like this book. Why is this the book of the moment? i mean, So, interested. there are two
1: reasons. Yeah. There's in-text reasons and then there's um, out-of-text reasons. So, I want to talk about in-text reasons first.
0: Okay, please do.
1: So, <clears throat> this book... Um, it's it's a book that was inspired by the Black Lives Matter movement. Okay. Um. So the main character is a sixteen-year-old girl named Star. Yeah. And Star is black and lives in you know the ghetto, the hood, et cetera, like this very dangerous, predominantly black community in this urban area. She. You've um, read this book. Yes. Yeah. Yes, and I cried like eight (laughs) times.
0: Where Do we know? Does it specify like where? I mean, like I get the uh, at a place named like-
1: Garden Heights, which I think is in Mississippi. Okay. It doesn't really okay. matter. Sure, it's sure. kind of an everywhere type right. of place. All right. Um, so she lives in this area. She has um, she has a younger brother, and then she has an older half brother, mm-hmm. and then her. Mother is like a nurse caretaker type person. I can't remember. And then her father uh, owns – is a business owner. He owns a grocery store and yeah. he's an ex-gangbanger and an ex-con. Okay. Um. So already you have kind of this this complicated family structure. Yeah. Um. This girl also when she was 10 saw her – one of her best friends be killed in a drive-by like mm-hmm. by accident. You know, like when they were like playing in the yeah. – you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. So – She has very intimately experienced the violence that comes with living in an area like she lives in, but also, you know, her family, there's always this lot of stress because her mom wants to leave and her dad doesn't. And so there's this very intimate stress about, you know, wanting to support the people in the community and the very strong ties that they have there, but also acknowledging that it's, you know, not necessarily a safe or ideal place. Um, Yeah. This girl also goes to a very bougie prep school 45 minutes away. Okay. That's mostly she's one of two black kids in her class. Uh-huh. And she's dating a white boy. Oh. oh. Uh her dad doesn't know her mom. Everybody else in her family does. Uh-huh. Um her so so she has all of these very complicated familial relationships. Uh-huh. Um and, you know, gangs are very present. You know, a lot of like there's there's a lot of this is kind of the way it is. And, and you know, it's it's not really an us and them kind of situation. It's like, you know, I'm very close to this person who also happens to be in this gang, which I don't condone, but like their family and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So I have not seen a book that that deals with that kind of community and family based relationship. So nuanced.
0: So. Interesting. So you're saying that what we've got here, first and foremost, like if you were to like identify the selling point,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, it's that you've got a book that sort of examines a certain – like you're saying, so a certain like set of relationships unlike anything. Like you're examining a part of life, a part of a certain you know type of life.
1: More sympathetically that, and, and that, in a more nuanced so more, way okay, than I've so, ever seen.
0: OK. So the more sympathetically and more nuanced I think is key there. Um, so – it's, I mean, it's, it's about representation. Yes. Almost. It's a, re- it's representing this certain type of thing that doesn't ever get, or it does get shown, but not necessarily in this sort of complex a Yeah.
1: It's always like, because Hey, I, I was see, pulled into this gang yeah, and like, look it how getting, horrible this, let me get out.
0: See that, that's going to be kind of my devil's advocate question is because I feel like there are in a devil's advocate question in the sense of trying to tease out what it is about this book that actually makes it very special. Um, I feel like there's lots of instances of books that sort of display um what sort of reduces some of these things to stereotypes or reduces these things to sort of very flat character sketches Yes. Um, and you're saying that this is not that this is not that that this, this is, is something that. that brings it to life that makes it complex that so how how, like, how do you how would you everybody say that everybody is well rounded yeah. in this book yeah
1: nobody is just a thug. which sure. which brings me to my next kind of interior like textual point is that the entire plot of this book is within the first 50 pages and I'm not spoiling anything because no, no, it's on yeah, the because yeah. it's on the you know it's yeah, on the it's cover on the copy, copy yeah. um but star the main character uh-huh. she is in a car with one of her childhood best friends yeah. and they get pulled over and he who was driving he gets murdered by a cop so Wow. Yeah. So that happens in the first 50 pages. She's sitting in the passenger seat and it happens. And, and it f- happens.
0: How old is their friend? 16. 16. They're both 16. Okay.
1: So this is going to be her second friend that yeah. she's seen yeah. shot to death. Yeah. And, you know, this, this is from a cop. And she also has very complex feelings about police officers because her uncle is a police officer. Sure. So it's not just, you know, like police are bad, et cetera. It's, well, so you that, know.
0: Okay, so. Again, knowing nothing, yes. that is the bit that kind of – like just from what you've said so far, that part really um, – that kind of comes to life to me yeah. a little bit. This idea that um, there's um, kind of this complex feeling about um, the police, which is obviously a topic that um, – I mean to it's say – very present to right say, now. To say it's present right now is obviously a very dark euphemism. But um, I guess like – It's interesting that it would be complex because I could see it would be very easy. And this happens – I'm sure that you see this in your inbox anytime something – anything in the world happens. Yep, all the time. You see a bunch of reactionary books that are – that like contain some version of what just happened. Correct. You know what I mean? Like you see – like I know like anytime there's any sort of very high-profile police shooting or any sort of thing like this, um, I get a million books that say my book has – this thing that reminds you of X and it feels very callous and exploitative. Yeah, like look how bad X ex- people are. Exa- yeah. And and like even, – and even in like the quote-unquote good direction where it's like this book shows how bad the police are. You know what I mean? And, <laughs> and it's – but it rings very hollow because it doesn't feel very well thought out and it feels very reactionary. But what you just described sounds much more – I mean, obviously, I mean, to call it thought out and nuanced probably doesn't even do it justice because this is a book that seems to have really, like, connected with literally everyone. Yes. So, yeah. yeah. And
1: so, the you know, and the rest of the book is kind of dealing with not only, you know, Star finding her voice and, and you know, kind of resolving or yeah. not resolving what yeah. happens in yeah. the shooting and, like, grieving her friend, yeah. but also finding, you know, what matters in this community and, and, you know, like how to, how to change it and, and, you know, the appropriate level of what finding your voice is. So not only are like this, this book, I, again, I don't really want to spoil anything, but this book not only shows, you know, like police officers doing something that's scary and it's awful, but it also shows riots of, you know, people in this community destroying the the stores of people who also live in their community yeah you, you know and so there's there's kind of this this very uh, i keep using the word nuanced but that's really all i have because there's nothing else like it and that's what distinguishes well, it feels like it, it
0: feels like when you you keep saying nuanced and what it sounds like maybe you mean is just real yeah because i feel like a lot it's of complex. This, a lot of this stuff as we see on you know news networks or anywhere else things get reduced to whatever narrative kind of you know everyone everyone is trying to tell a story with this stuff and that story is not often the most complex version of events it's the one that either you know you got good guys and bad guys and um it sounds like this this is not that this is not and that it's and that sounds that sounds really good i mean it's i can see why outstanding. that would be so but all that stuff um that's all like what you just described to me is all, it's all literal. Yes, if that makes sense. That's all. <laughs> that's all stuff in the book. In the book, very literal. And I can think of a lot of um, terrible books that have a lot of really interesting stuff in them. I mean, yeah. you read things all the time where it's like this crazy shit happens, and then it's like, well, that would be really cool if someone good was writing it. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, like, talk to me about, like, again, this is a this book is number one.
1: Debuted at number one. It
0: debuted at number one. Like, – I find it very hard to believe and maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong that simply the fact of representing these things would propel a book to number one. Like what – there's another element here that I feel like you're about to describe to me that hasn't yet happened yet and I ask these questions because I think that there's something interesting in sort of the equation with regard to what adds up to of literary phenomenon, what, adds, <laughs> what no, I'm, I'm serious. Like, no, no what, no, what adds up because I don't like what you've told me sounds really good and it sounds really interesting. Um, but like, I feel like we're missing the total picture, yeah, of what's number one about this book. Yeah, yet because like,
1: well, I'm, I'm, yeah. I, I have the answer, but I yeah. I do want to, no, so like, in, so yeah. like, intra, so like, intra book, there's yeah. one more thing to mention, yeah. is, sure. and that's that the um. The voice is really, really authentic sounding. You know, like it's not trying to sound too literary, or you know, like there's a very clear like cadence change yeah. between the inner like monologue and the way that it's this first character codes. It's, um, it's it's first person, okay. and it's there's very there's a very interesting exchange between how, like, I, I mean. I have an anthropology background, so the the term that I'm familiar with is code switching. Yeah. So, like, you know, you don't don't use certain words with your grandmother, that sort Uh of thing, like code Uh switching. And so a big part of this character's life is that she's always code switching. So how her interior voice is is a lot different than the voice that she uses at school. Yeah. And that's a lot different than the voice she uses around her friends from her neighborhood. Sure. And, like, seeing that, like, very – it it shows kind of the different spaces that this character occupies yeah. and kind of the 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 different like the complexities of the various relationships in a way that like another author probably couldn't have handled. Yeah. Um, so, so why
0: another author? Like talk to me about the author then. Like
1: So <laughs> So okay, so the author not only is she like very good at what she does,
0: but writers. so
1: here's here's the second part of why. Yeah, you were you were this gonna, book.
0: You were gonna start telling me about things yes. beyond the pages. Things itself, beyond the pages, which of the book. I think, and let's let's not rush through this. Um, I feel like that's a big key. It's to hitting a huge the bestseller list to hitting number one is to having something beyond just the book. You know, if we're making this into into a very basic discussion of why is a book number one, you know, the answer is always a mixture of. Um, things that are inside the book like you've just described and then some sort of circumstance around it or some sort of like anything outside the book itself that sort of also aids in the resonance of the way it hits so yeah and part of this is
1: black lives matter but also but a big part of this is that the reason that this author was able to write a book of this quality is because this author and, and when I say like not only did she write this but like this book clearly has resonance beyond even just the people buying this now. Like, this was a 17-house auction book. 17-house? <laughs> I don't even know that there are <laughs> 17 <laughs> major houses.
0: <laughs> wait, 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 wait. 17 houses been on this
1: 17 book? 17-houses.
0: Do you know what it went for?
1: Uh, a disgusting amount okay. of money. Okay. This this book went for a who disgusting amount. Who publishes Balser it? Balzer and Bray.
0: Who are they? Um, Do you know where they are? Off yeah. the top of your head. Yeah. Uh, Look it up later. Yeah, we'll look it up later. <laughs> I should know this. I do yeah. this,
1: I do this for a living and I do yeah, wa- I, I do YA for a living, but we've had wine tonight. We,
0: um we real quick on the wine. <laughs> <laughs> we I bought this bottle. I went and Laura was like, All right, buy the cheapest bottle you can find. And I was like, Okay, I'll do it. And I found this bottle, I think what was it called? It was called the Smoking Loon.
1: Which is funny because our yeah, mascot yeah, yeah, yeah. is yeah. Loon. So I was like, all
0: right, I absolutely have to get this one. And I just want to say, like, if you're, like, the vineyard owner of the Smoking Loon and you'd like to set up some sort of sponsorship agreement (laughs) where you, um, you know, where we, like, plug your product, like, every week, I'd love to do that. Like, I'm waiting to sell out for some sort of ad revenue. So, like, if it happens to be, like, some sort of wine that we drink every week, that'd be great.
1: Yep. Uh Balzer and Bray is Harper Collins. I just remembered. I glad that
0: while I was ranting about like selling out. My to brain wine started companies. working <laughs> again.
1: Yeah. Uh okay, so Collins. smoking loon, Harper Collins, gotcha. All, okay.
0: It's all related, yeah. So
1: yeah, so Harper won yeah. the au- the seventeen house auction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's like there are five big publishers, and then like I don't even know a how other, seven, a bunch of other people decide. I don't to get even involved. know seventeen. Like that's that's a, interesting yeah.
0: that a book about um a book about black lives matter. Like, cause that, that's the hook, houses. right? Like if you're pitching this, that. Oh like, yeah. That's how, how, how it you... was pitched. Yeah.
1: Inspired by the black lives matter movement. Um, so this author, this author okay. who got a s- eight, eight starred reviews, which I don't know is po- how is possible. And yeah, there's, a a a 17, nu- there's a lot of
0: numbers here that I'm and, not so sure.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and a 17 house yeah. auction, which I'm yeah, also yeah. not sure is yeah. possible. Normally yeah. it's like seven. Right. Um, she is a. Black writer, born and raised in Mississippi, okay. still lives in Mississippi, okay. doesn't have any other writing experience. Like she literally found her agent She's out of nowhere. Well, she was on Twitter and then uh-huh. they were doing a um, ask agent thing and she asked something, something very innocuous about like something that's very like politically and like. Time sensitive and blah 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 blah, and she was like really nervous about it. And he responded, and he was like, Oh, yeah, absolutely. And she submitted it to him, Brooke yeah. Sherman. Yeah, and it turns out it was a book about the Black Lives Matter movement, and uh, it had a 17 house option. So this,
0: so, this is like it's so- <laughs> it sounds as though, um. This this author went through the exact means I was like complaining about a few weeks a few weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, don't like, anyone
1: hate... ever tell me that Twitter <laughs> isn't important for writing. Yeah,
0: no, I clearly I clearly stand very corrected um, on this front. It sounds like um, she used the mode of communication incredibly well and, and clearly incredibly lucratively.
1: Yeah. So. so she she is a yeah. She is a writer, yeah. like, you know, she's, like, a former rapper. She's, right. you know, like, I think self-described as, like, from the hood or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. I can't remember what sure. her bio says. But, like, sure. this this is a woman who has, like, lived this. Okay. You know, like, this This isn't somebody, like, writing something because it's topical. Yeah. This is somebody writing something because it's a story that is, like, close to her heart. Sure. And a huge deal is that the, like, very, very strong, like... Black woman YA Twitter community, which yeah. is like a huge contingent yeah. of YA yeah. Twitter, um, got early copies of this book, and they just went to bat for it yeah. because this is a huge deal. Right, and it it kind so that's of another,
0: so stop. It's a real huge quick, deal. Stop real quick. That's another p- big key to the element of being number one, right? Like it has to have like I feel like that groundswell of yeah. especially if you're debuting at number one, yeah, like. There has to be this kind of swell of just word of mouth of like an online community, maybe like really, like you're saying, go to bat for it. Um, it's just interesting. I just always think that anytime a book hits number one or any kind of has any kind of real like immediate success like this, there's always something interesting and interesting in trying to figure out why and how. Because obviously, like in our line of work, we're always trying to replicate that. We're trying to figure out how to make that happen, um, or like what the elements of that are, and. Um, you know, it sounds like this one kind of yeah. caught lightning in a bottle in it's, a lot of ways. It's the but first – th- yeah. Yeah,
1: it's the first time it's ever happened. It's the first time that a black woman debut writer has ever oh, is debuted it? on the – well, in YA, in, in YA. the New York Times. I'm yeah. not sure about, sure. you know, in sure. the in the adult stuff, but yeah. maybe.
0: Yeah, um, I'm trying to think who would have done it. Yeah, yeah.
1: and it's and it's something that – you know, and and I have to give – um. Baldur and Bray, specifically, you know, mm-hmm. Donna Bray, like a really, really good shout out here because she went to bat for this book. Yeah. Like she hardcore went to bat for this book. And they Was it
0: particu- they, was it particularly difficult as a publisher to want to go to bat for this? Because it sounds like No, but it they put like all of their would, money into it. Sure, okay <laughs> Because it, like I'm hearing I'm hearing the premise for the book and I'm seeing this in my inbox and I'm thinking Yes, within seconds. You yes. know what I mean? yeah. And I feel like most publishers would say the same thing. And obviously they did. 17, 17 different houses went d- went to war for this book. Um, so, But, yeah, no, I see what you're saying regarding, like, marketing money, regarding promotion. Yeah, so they decided that, that this was going to be yeah. it.
1: They decided that, like, this was going to be yeah. their book, and they yeah. pushed it. And all of... You know, I, I was on Twitter the day that the book came out, and yeah. I remember, like, counting the minutes and, like, waiting until 5 o'clock so I could, like, go to my local, like, indie children's bookstore. Yeah. Red balloon, shout out. <laughs> um, I went to the Red Balloon, yeah. and I went downstairs into, like, their YA cave, and there were three copies left. And as I was checking out, another woman yeah. had a copy of it, too. And you
0: bought a hard copy? I
1: bought a hard copy. Why would you do that? Um, Because I read... My life online, and when I read books for fun, I read them in print.
0: Oh, interesting! Seems like print books are really. <laughs> really
1: oh, YA. Oh, YA <laughs> is very heavily print book focused. Why didn't, yeah,
0: I was. I'm interested. Why didn't you get that as an audiobook?
1: Oh, why didn't I get it as an audiobook? Mm-hmm. Um, because I wanted it in my
0: hands. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And also because I was like halfway through like a 20 hour audiobook, and I can't read You're two audiobooks it, at yeah. a time. Right. Um, right. But, you know, like I do, I do read print books. I do. Uh, So you say. And also I wanted a first edition so that I could get (laughs) it signed at some point. Yeah, that's cool. Um, And, yeah. So anyway, like it's, it was just, it was really great. And the best part is that I was, I'm, you know, I'm very friendly with a lot of librarians on Twitter. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them were saying, you know, they ordered five copies, 10 copies, 20 copies for their library. And, you know, especially in like urban predominantly black areas there were kids who didn't read anything like coming in and like staying after school to read this book because they had never seen themselves in a book like this and they'd never seen anything as authentic and as accurate
0: so so that's interesting and i i think the authentic must be a key operating term here but like you know obviously like the idea of representation whether it's in literature, whether it's in politics, whether it's in, you know, like everyone loves to toss around. Like, you know, in the last few months, everyone's had an opinion on like identity politics or like <laughs> um, things like that. Like, do you feel that representation and kind of the underlying concepts around that, is that kind of stuff powerful enough on its own to drive something to the heights that this one has hit? It or do can you think when that, it
1: doesn't yeah. exist before. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. I'm hopefully in five years, like, a book like yeah. this won't need to make a splash exactly. because there's enough is, of it. Yeah,
0: no, See, that that's what I agree with, too. And I think – so I think that um, – no, I think that you're right. I mean, I think that the, the lightning in the bottle here that kind of happened – Is that it doesn't exist. Just based on what you're saying, is that it doesn't – is that you found a literal – some literal elements – Mm-hmm. Like some very, very – not basic is not quite the right word, but basic plot elements or like stru- characters and structures that just no one has seen before. And like you tell me this anecdote about kids wanting – like just wanting so badly to read this book afterward because the power of just reading something that reminds them of them or makes them Tells see – Tell them they're not alone. Yeah, exactly. Like that's so powerful. and
1: Especially when you're 15, 16, 17. Like it's not easy and it's not pleasant and you didn't know that, that you're not –
0: just you and you combine that with an author who clearly does it um not only competently but very well um i I can see why i can see why it's powerful it's very Um, good and that's that's fascinating um i'll have to maybe i'll have to borrow your copy
1: well i have it upstairs and it's and it's red (laughs) it's all finished Fair enough. Um, <laughs> speaking of book Twitter, though.
0: Speaking of book Twitter, you were mad um, about something else. I well, yeah. so I
1: wasn't mad about the hate you give. I was really yeah, excited yeah, yeah. about you the were hate excited you about give. That. But uh, when Twitter gives, Twitter also taketh away. And
0: <laughs> Twitter also matteth online. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Um so last week. Diana Gabaldon, uh-huh. who is the author of the Outlander series, who I have beef with beyond this show, and we don't need to get, maybe we'll do it some other do time. Do we not?
0: I kind of want to, I don't know what it is. I'm kind of interested. We don't have to, and I'm okay, just saying. Okay, trigger warning
1: willing. for sexual assault. Ooh, man. Cover your ears. Uh,
0: that, was the that was an inappropriate response to you saying trigger <laughs> warning. But in,
1: okay, in Outlander, uh-huh. they have the, the hero get raped, and uh-huh. then the way that he gets over it. Uh-huh. Is that the heroine drugs him and pretends to like be the, the like the assaulter and like in his like in his opiate induced haze like tries to like mm-hmm. get him over it and then he's like fine.
0: Okay, this is and pretty strange. Yeah.
1: It's awful yeah, and it weird. didn't need to be there and it's horrible and that's not how. Okay, Ugh. so this anyway. one,
0: this woman wrote that, and now she did something else. What did she make? Yeah, so what did she make you she's mad also like time?
1: a phenomenon right now. But anyway, uh-huh. so okay, uh, trigger warning over. So <laughs> Diana Gabaldon, um, yeah. she was on Twitter and she said, you know, like ask me a question or whatever. And some like young woman yeah. who yeah. was, you know. Getting ready to go to college said, quote, yeah. if I want to write, should I take an English major? I thought that might be good because I love to read. OK. Uh-huh.
0: So OK. So <laughs> I want to make sure we're famous. So a woman on the Internet asked this famous author. Is it good that I want to read books in college?
1: <laughs> I guess, but um, you know what? What yeah. did you? What stupid questions did you ask when no, you I'm, were eighteen? No, no, no,
0: I'm not making fun. Of, I'm not making fun of the question. I'm not making fun of the question at all. It's a good question. Yeah, I think. I um, think she was also of, like a aspiring of, writer. Right. No, yeah. sure. No, I think that's great. I'm making fun of what I think is about to be probably a very funny response to someone asking a very harmless and well-meaning question.
1: Yeah. Okay. So then she Diana Gabaldon. Uh huh. Uh, New York Times best-selling author and right. and you know like yeah, all-around yeah. sensation uh-huh. even though she doesn't deserve to be uh, replied a, a quote English degree equals. Want fries with that? <laughs> Pick something that will make you enough money that you can write what you want. Ooh, man. So Twitter got super mad. Well,
0: yeah, because that <laughs> – Because so, – So this woman equated an English major with working in the fast food industry. And Which I can't, also there's nothing wrong tell, with that. Right. I can't – I was about to say I can't tell who should be more mad. <laughs> um, so, wow.
1: So we don't need to go like super deep into why yeah. that's problematic Except for number one, like saying basically like denigrating people that work in like food service industry is really shitty. And number two, um, equating like a degree in learning uh, important skills like critical thinking and clear communication and also like doing something that you love. Apparently doesn't matter as much as like making a lot of money, which is also shitty because you know what? She's a fucking writer. And you know how many writers make as much money as she does? Very few. Very few. And so it's really shitty of her to come across and saying like, oh, well, okay, Anyway, off high horse. So that's not really (laughs) what I want to talk about Everyone got
0: mad at Diana. Yes. Because she said that getting an English major is silly.
1: Yeah, and that you couldn't abs- you absolutely couldn't get a job with that. Never mind that we have two people sitting in this recording studio with English majors yeah. who are doing just fine.
0: Yeah, no, it, it is a silly point, um, and that's a, there's a larger point in there. I think about. Um college education and what a degree even means and whether any of you know a bunch of stuff that has nothing to do blah, with blah blah blah. A bunch alerts. of stuff that, a bunch of stuff that has nothing to do with books that yeah. makes her wrong. But let's talk about um let's talk about book stuff.
1: So, <laughs> so that that made me thinking. Yeah. That that made me get thinking. Uh-huh. And like like, you know, like fuck her for telling somebody to not like do or pursue what they love in their life. But also I was thinking, you know, like Do college degrees and graduate degrees, like, really, really matter if you want to be a writer? Right. And so that got me thinking about the dear old MFA. Mm.
0: (laughs) Uh, Hmm.
1: The, yeah, the MFA, um, (coughs) the writing MFA. Right, right. And it made me think about it, you know, like, does it matter? Uh Uh-huh. Like, in this business, if you want to be a writer, does an MFA matter?
0: Okay, so I feel like... A lot of this is going to come down to the sorts of stuff you and I work on mm-hmm. to some degree, um, because I would I would say that I mean there's one in terms of graduate degrees, not MFA stuff, but in terms of graduate degrees, I think like let's start there. There is a point to make that if you're working in something that isn't fiction, a graduate degree can be incredibly important. Like if I you know I'm someone who likes writing from a lot on a lot of different subjects and. I would be a little dubious if you were sending me a big expansive history of something and you weren't a historian, or if you were sending me some sort of science book. I mean, there's very obvious correlations like that, where it's like, yeah, no, having a degree in a subject matter really that you write a, about right, is important. Right, is, is a prerequisite. But we're not talking about that. We're talking. I think we're talking specifically about literary stuff, specifically fiction and maybe some like creative nonfiction
1: or poetry um, or, or po- whatever. Yeah.
0: Okay. Um, so, and that kind of gets into the breakdown, I think, between you and me, where I. Rep, um, slightly more literary stuff. Um, You deal with more YA or like genre stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, Although I do
1: hit the genre, or I do hit the literary side in my genre fiction. Exactly, exactly.
0: Do you? Well, what do you think? I mean, I have, I have kind of an answer too. But what um, do you think that the MFA matters?
1: Um, So, I guess, I guess matters is an important. I think we should define what matters means, first okay. of all. So if it matters in terms of you know how to take criticism and you have the technical skills to self-edit and understand the difference between showing and telling and that sort of thing.
0: Hopefully it, you've learned then, that before you've gotten into an MFA.
1: Hopefully. But, but I, I think I think a big part of the yeah. I think a big part of the value that the MFA teaches yeah. is critique and revision. Right. And so, like that is as an agent, that is an invaluable skill that yeah. my authors have because, sure. like, I want to be able to There's give my author note yeah. notes, or I want you know the editor to be able to give the author notes and then not have them like freak out and throw right. a hissy fit, or not be able to do the changes. Right. So that's a very valuable thing because an MFA teaches skills, right? Maybe. I mean, I, on some level, it does.
0: I mean, well, so I think I might push you on that. I don't know that an M- I don't know that an MFA. Um, and I'm sure people with MFAs will, you know, call in, call in, we're not like a radio drive time show. (laughs) We should be, that'd be fun. (laughs) Someday we'll do that.
1: If we, if we get enough Patreon Um, dollars, we'll do a live show one day. Um,
0: but I'm not sure that the, and this is going to sound crazy, but I'm not sure that the MFA teaches anything. Ooh. No, I, and I mean that, and I'm not sure that that's a bad thing. Um, the MFA, I don't like people oftentimes in queries and in their writing life, they think of the MFA as, like you, like you just said, the obtaining of a certain set of skills that then means you get to go be a professional writer, as though the MFA is some sort of pre-professional degree. And I think that that is a very, very flawed way of yeah. looking at the MFA. And I think that if that's how you're looking at the MFA – and again, I mean I'm not here to tell you what to do with grad school. Like please don't t- – I'm just giving – I'm giving one man's opinion as someone who talks to a lot of writers and is a writer himself. And I've app- – like when I got out of college, I applied to an MFA. Um, I wanted to go to Iowa and I applied and didn't get in and now I'm doing this and maybe I'll apply against some – Suck bab- it, Iowa. Yeah. <laughs> but you, don't, you know what I'm saying. Like, Like I don't dislike the MFA. I like it a lot. I think there's a lot of really good to it. But I'm not sure that it, like, gives you some sort of –
1: It doesn't give um, you a leg up. Not to me.
0: It doesn't give you a pre-professional – like, you know, if I went – it doesn't give you a necessary set of skills that you need to climb a rung. As though if someone is looking at your resume and if you don't have the – it's not like an MBA, you know what I mean? Or, like, some sort of thing. It's not a
1: barrier to entry.
0: That's exactly the way to put it. Um, But – and, and a lot of people think of it that way. They think that if I get the MFA, then as soon as I come out, that I am a writer. And you are. But that doesn't but necessarily But you were writer mean, before you but went. The, Exactly. But that doesn't necessarily mean anyone has to listen to you, you know? And for me, the thing that, that I like about the MFA, um, the only and the, well, I say the only, as though it isn't a big thing, but it is a big thing. Um it means that you're you took two years or three years, however long it took To really, really focus on getting better and spending time with it. It's a a demonstrable amount of seriousness. Yeah, that's true. That I think um, obviously you can have that in the rest – in other lives with your writing. But like to say I went and got an MFA, um, it doesn't tell me that you're a great writer. It doesn't tell me that you're – um, somehow more equipped to handle the rigors of the publishing life but it does tell me that for a couple of years you decided to make the, this, pi- this bit of your life a priority and that I think that there's something to that and that matters and it's like if you're passionate about writing and it works for you and obviously there's all sorts of you know further considerations regarding cost and funding and you know the cost of school and everything but like um there there's something there i think with regard to making it worthwhile on the sense of this is something you feel you're definitely driven to do and you're going to set aside time to go do it and i and i guess i there's a there's a bit of that that i respect but like i get a lot of, like there's not any noticeable difference in quality
1: in Absolutely their su- in
0: the submission this is and this is the hard truth there is no difference in quality from the submissions i get that are from people who are in MFAs or have gotten MFAs and people who aren't.
1: I have one author in my list that has an MFA.
0: Yeah.
1: And then the author got the MFA and they, they just happened to write science fiction. And then they decided to turn around and get a science degree because they wanted their science fiction to be science <laughs> Interesting. Like that mattered yeah. to them more yeah. than the MFA.
0: Right. And um, like
1: when I when I see a query yeah. and I see the bio and somebody says that they have an MFA from wherever, yeah, that doesn't make me go, ooh. That just yeah. goes, Okay, they have an MFA. Yeah. Does that happen to you?
0: Yeah, no, I think I'm pretty close to that. I think that I, I mean, I, as, as someone, I mean, just on a very personal level who was interested in it for a little while, um, you know, I did I spent some time, like, re, you know, like I researched the different programs and knowing who's where. So it's like sometimes if I hear if someone's from a certain place, I think, oh, well, then maybe they worked with so-and-so or, you know, and there's, yeah. some, there's like something interesting there. But, like, it doesn't make me any more interested in signing them. It's not like I would sign – a book I wasn't gonna sign anyway, just because the author has an MFA. You know what I mean? Um, I don't know. Like to me, and this is something you know. You and I read sort of a little article here um, that kind of gets you know at the bottom, which is the MFA isn't gonna teach isn't gonna teach you to find your voice. It's not going to teach you that.
1: And the voice is what gets you signed. The
0: voice is what gets you signed. What the MFA can do. Is it can make you a lot two years specifically focused on finding your voice, but it's not going to teach you that. Like the MFA, I feel like in any writing program, like I did, you know, I did a very specific, you know, fiction writing degree in college. Like it's all what you make of it, you know, like it's you writing. Like the reason that's valuable is not because it gives you some sort of certification, it's because it means you spent time writing, it means you spent that time and like.
1: But so here's, know. but here's my thought. So yeah. I'm thinking back yeah. to our episode last week uh-huh. when you talked about your friend, who's one of the best writers that you've ever met, and oh, when, the he baker. Gra- the baker. Yeah, when he the baker. When he graduated college, he took a job as a baker because right. he wanted a low stress, set hour job right. where he could just like do like use his body, right, so that his mind right. was refreshed so that he could write, right. and that he's never been more productive, yeah, and that he's never been better, yeah. And, like it's one of those things where I, it's also true that you don't have to like having an MFA is not the only way to devote a certain amount of time
0: absolutely to oh, absolutely to developing
1: your voice because yeah. doing something like becoming a baker or like working yeah. at Starbucks. Like those things, or like slinging French fries,
0: are <laughs> yeah.
1: legitimate ways to carve out space in your life well, I think, for yeah. your writing.
0: And I think, well, not only does it are there way, these are ways to carve out your space in your writing, but it's also ways like there are certain things you can do in your life that get you out of that college setting that help you find your voice. Like, like who knows if like I've found my voice, but if I have. It's not because I spent all those years in college writing. It's because I went out and lived and did all this stuff and kept writing amidst all these other life experiences and went out and tried to, like, be in the world for a while, you know? And so, like, someone who was a baker or is a, you know, fast food services worker or someone like that, like, that's going to, like, the thing that often gets discounted I think when people are, like, making fun of people who are, like, saying want fries with that, it's like they treat those people as though they've stopped thinking while they do that. You know what I mean? Like, the per- as though the person who is saying want fries with that doesn't have the entire depth of an interior life. Or that,
1: dreams and hopes d- and, like, and using like, that as a way to get th- somewhere else. And,
0: or And as though, like, that work experience and that those hours spent during the day aren't somehow affecting that person in the way they think and the way they just kind of – if they're writers, the way they write – um, all these things. And I would and like to say
1: that that real experience is another reason why Angie Thomas was so successful with The Hate U sure, Give.
0: Sure, sure. Because yeah. she lived it. Yeah. No, and I mean, they, so I guess like I'm trying to think now, like, which of my favorite authors have MFAs? And there are a few. You know, like Karen Russell is an MFA. I love Karen Russell. Um, you know, there I can think of a I lot I love of... that
1: you know that your favorite authors either have MFAs or don't.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Well, I don't know what to tell you on that front. Um, But, you know, like a lot of, um, I can think of a lot of like faculty members whose books I really like. Like a lot of my favorite authors are like teaching at an MFA program, but it's like did they didn't they, did, have an they MFA? themselves, but that's the funniest <laughs> thing, right? No, but that's the fu- you're totally right. That's the funniest thing is a lot of the people who are teaching at MFA programs who are like the reason you would want to go to NYU or the reason you would want to go to Iowa or something, those people don't have MFAs. <laughs> they're just really fucking good writers. They just and, they
1: just have the honorary degree from Harvard yeah, yeah, or whatever. Just,
0: yeah. Like a lot of these people, it's like there's no i mean it just comes down to this whole idea you know i have such a hesitancy always and the the mfa isn't really a part of what i'm about to talk about but um just like all these like ancillary writing like cottage industries that just it's all like trying to devote like create some sort of process and pipeline around becoming a published writer and finding your voice and it's just a, it just doesn't work like that guys it doesn't and, like, you can do any of this stuff and it all might work for you. But if at the heart of it you're not, like, trying to just, like, find yourself and really working out well, – you can do that anywhere. And if you need to do it through an MFA, that's awesome. Like, it's please do it. It's equally as effective no, as going
1: on Twitter like, and asking a random question to somebody. Well, it might
0: be. It might not be for you. Like Might be. It, it might be for someone. It might not be for someone else. Like And it's – you know, I guess my thing is, like, do what you need to do, you know? And what some people need to do – and it, or is they need, you know, to be what they want to be as a writer is to go get an MFA. And I think that's awesome. Like, I don't scorn the MFA at all. And a lot of people love to use it as kind of this punching bag. But, like, I don't at all because I think that most people who are there are... um,
1: They care. They're
0: there because they felt that they needed to be. And that's awesome. But... It doesn't make them any more suited to someone who thought that they needed for their own writing to go do something else.
1: Or any less and, suited.
0: And by virtue, that kind of makes the degree, like the piece of paper you get at the end of the program, a little bit worthless. <laughs> Even if the year, like what's useful about the MFA is the years spent, not the degree at the end. Like someone who goes to med school, the real, you know, one of the key uses of going to med school is then being a doctor at the end, you know? Like what's useful about the MFA has nothing to do with the piece of paper you get at the end. It's you don't
1: like all of a sudden get to practice writing on exa-
0: people. Exactly. <laughs> like so I don't know. And I mean obviously, you know, I think one of the pitfalls of the MFA is it does tend to create a lot of similar sounding people. Um, And I don't know if you see this much in YA, but, like, you know, there's just, like, a certain style that just just feels very – it's very MFA. I
1: see that in genre fiction a lot. Like, the person who's gotten an MFA in, like, science fiction or, like, fantasy or whatever, it's that they're they're more aware of a lot of, like, tropes and especially with craft and kind of a little bit less willing to play with them because they, like, know the rules and they've been taught the rules. Right. But – that's yeah. not. I mean, but like one of the best science fiction pieces I've ever read is by one of my authors who has an MFA. So again, like hashtag not all MFAs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Anyway, I mean, I, so I think yeah. that I think that it works in a lot of ways. Um, I don't know. I mean, there's no real. The, the point here is that there's no real conclusion to draw, and so for this woman to say. Um,
1: what you should major in,
0: or it's just, you know,
1: it, it doesn't matter. It's
0: just a, well, I mean, it does. It does matter for you, but it doesn't
1: matter for us. It doesn't it's matter. It's just
0: such a stupid thing to get mad about, in terms of like. You know, having like an answer key answer to it. Like, so I don't quite understand what this woman yeah. was thinking. But I don't know. I don't know. Anyway.
1: In terms of, you know, telling people what we think, whether we're qualified or not. <laughs> um, I think, it, I think it's time. i ha- qualified. <laughs> uh, we haven't done a mailbag in we a while. We haven't.
0: You're right. Let's do so. I some. think we should do a mailbag. Okay. So
1: again, okay. uh, before we start, if you have a question for Print Run... And it's not one about like specifically queries or specifically opening your book because we have special episodes for that.
0: Yeah, like the query stuff, the first pages stuff, like uh, people ask us a lot of stuff that's like, you know. What's the word count? Yeah, this format, uh, those kind of stuff. Like we address a lot of that in our special episodes. So so we
1: talk about everything else on our regular episode mailbag. Right. So we've got a couple questions in lieu of a pub tip or a write tip.
0: All right. Yeah. Read me the first question.
1: Say I see an agent having great interactions with a client on Twitter. The agent was already on my wish list, but seeing the way they are with their client made me love them even more. (laughs) Is it creepy and stalkerish to mention in my query that their social media interactions with clients is part of what drew me to them?
0: Hmm. I I don't think that matters much to me. I don't think, I mean, but I'm like different on social media than maybe you are, but... If someone said like I like the way you talk to your authors online, I would probably, I would, I don't, I don't know. Like I you would think,
1: light their query on fire? No,
0: no, 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 no. I don't think it would bother me one way or the other. I think that, um, like, if it was like super specific, where it was like this person was like, I don't know. Like if it got weird, maybe. But this, was <laughs> as, as framed, this is this to me isn't that weird. Uh, it's not to me. This is not stalkerish. What do you think?
1: I would love to say that I really hope that this question is about me.
0: Well, it's not Cause, about me because, like, I, my, I don't yeah. – I don't know.
1: I have a really good time with my authors on Twitter, at least the ones that are there. I have
0: a good time with your authors. I know. Too.
1: I know. Um, no, I mean what that what that really shows yeah. me yeah. is not – well, it, it's that you you understand and appreciate the way that I do business and the types of relationships I like to have with authors because that is, like – As a writer, like signing with an agent, that's a very important consideration. You know, like, you know, how casual is this going to be? And some people want it really formal and some people want it not. Um, I tend to default towards kind of not formal unless that's kind of the vibe I'm picking up from the author. Um, And, you know, that sort of thing, like – it tells me what you want, but it also tells, like as a as an author, like wanting an agent, but it also tells me that you've done your research. So something like that, you know, I'd love to, I I I would prefer it if it wasn't like on November 20th at 7.22 p.m. you said this. <laughs> like that's a little creepy, but right. it's like, but right. it's like, you know, I respect like the 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 support yeah. and like especially like the public support yeah. and your presence online and the way that you interact yeah, with yeah, yeah authors, Both yours and not like that sure. sort of thing, like sure. phrasing it like that is very nice. Yeah,
0: don't be too specific.
1: I yeah, guess. not, <laughs> yeah, just uh, don't be like this, this yeah. particular thing made yeah. me want to love you. Right,
0: right, right. Um, All right, now let's do the next yeah, question. Okay, that's, that's pretty good for that one. All right, so here we go. What makes the timeline of one contract negotiation different from another? Ooh. Well, there's a lot of things I feel like <laughs> that could be. I mean, it's
1: how fighty we are.
0: Yeah, um, it comes down to.
1: Wait, okay, but first before we do this. What? Um, so you've you've done a lot of contracts from the editor side. Right. And I've done a lot of contracts from the agent right. side. What is your longest contract?
0: How long it took? How long it took? Um But I, mean, I had some that took a couple months. Yeah. What's um, your shortest? I don't know. Someone signed the boilerplate that as soon as we sent it, they said the great.
1: Yeah. I my, mean like, my shortest was four minutes. Yeah. My longest was four months.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, it, I think it, I think it varies based on um, the priorities of the author, number one, um, because you know some authors are very interested in various bits of sub rights, are very interested in um, certain pay structures or whatever that maybe in a house isn't particularly interested in providing. Um, how much you
1: got to fight for it matters.
0: Yeah, um, how much? Yeah, exactly. Like how dug in. On certain issues, an author or an, I guess sometimes an agent. I mean usually it's – um, well, I guess like it's usually the agent. Agents are the ones that make the process take a long time. I'll yeah, say that.
1: Sometimes, sometimes um, we – like if we want to dig in on something, we'll just sit on it for a little bit. And, like, you guys play the waiting game where, like, we'll wait, like, right. a week and you guys will wait, like, ten days right. and then we'll wait, like, two weeks yeah, or whatever just to, like... And
0: that's how everyone gets yelled at by their bosses.
1: I know. That's why. <laughs> because you're supposed to get yelled at so that we get what we want.
0: Oh, well, but what kind of relationship is that?
1: We care about um, our author. That's the we relationship we care about. We our care our about. So that's one thing. But, I mean, really... The the shortest contracts ever have happened to me because I have done – or my agency specifically has done business with the imprint before. Well, that's
0: the thing is most – yeah, the, most contracts are already mostly negotiated between an agency and a house. Because if they've done the business before. They've done before. business before. They've got a boilerplate. Tr- boiler they've – um, you know, already negotiated certain points. You know, we for should prior explain. Authors.
1: We should explain what a what a specific agency boilerplate. Okay, is. so
0: I mean, what I mean by that is like when an agency and a, a publishing house get together and start talking about a contract. You know, they come to terms on everything, right? Something kind of standard. Sure. And then the next time that agency sells something to that house, they work not from square one, but from wherever that wherever that last contract was, even if it's like a different author usually. Yep. and so you end up um, sort of having already talked about all the points that you're going you would have talked about this time through um, so i think what takes a, what takes what makes things take a long time is when you have an author who has a very different profile or set of needs than the previous one that your agency um, made a deal with that house, you or know? it's a
1: new imprint, or Ex- they, exactly. or like, you know, they've moved their contract yeah. from in house to out of house, right. or something like that. So when
0: something, when something really drastic in terms of the situation changes, that requires renegotiating of terms that have already been negotiated, I think is what makes it take a long time. Yep. Next one.
1: Yes. Head hopping points of view in fiction, yay or nay, and what are the exceptions?
0: Well, I say yay, um, and that that sounds good to me. Um, the nay for me would come down to how invested do I end up feeling about all these characters? Cause some people bounce around too much and you never end up feeling like you're,
1: you know, anybody, you know,
0: any, yeah, exactly. You know, anybody or you're that like invested in their story or you see them grow. Um, but no head hopping is great, especially if you can use those different perspectives to kind of play off each other and make the reader feel more knowledgeable than the characters and things like that. I would
1: like a caveat though. Please. So when Eric and I are talking about head hopping, we're talking about different chapters or specifically different yes, sections yes, yes. being in somebody else's point of view. Yeah,
0: don't make it tricky.
1: What's not allowed, <laughs> and this is there are no exceptions to this. What is not allowed is going from one person's point of view in a scene to just another person's point of view in a scene. Like if if you know, like character one, we know what they're thinking and then character and we don't know what character two is thinking. And then like two pages later, we know what character two is thinking. That is not allowed. Right,
0: right, right. No, it's not allowed. Like structure matters um, because structure gives the reader something to understand and hold on to in terms of the way a story is being told.
1: So in every scene, pick who's going to be the point of view and go with it. But as far as like multiple points of view, as long as they add something, then absolutely yay.
0: Yeah. All right, so last one. Last one. And let's um let's each name one thing for this. What are some of the most common misconceptions you've encountered about the publishing process, especially for debut authors? Wow.
1: Um so <laughs> uh that the work is kind of over?
0: Yeah, that's a good one. Like, that's like a good one. not
1: not that like writers I shouldn't say I shouldn't make it sound like writers like get the publishing deal and they're like, good, I can just like sit back and get money. But but more of like they weren't aware of how having a team does not diminish the amount of work that you do. It just changes what types of work you do. Right. So you're not you're not completely on your own or it's not just you and your agent or whatever, like making edits to things. You have somebody else, but like you're still required to make those edits. Yeah. And you're still required to you know help the publicity team like do their jobs you know like it's not just like people are doing stuff for you
0: yeah um okay so mine is and this is a little bit callous um is that your publisher cares as much about your book as you do (laughs) yeah um it's happened though i mean i've seen it it's you know, every day deb- especially with debut authors, you know, this book is their baby. It's what they've built, spent their whole life building towards. It's what – you know, it's their whole – everything has been poured into this book and with good reason. Um, and they finally got the book deal and then they find out that, um, you know, they're one book on the list and they may not be the most important book on the list. You and mean their
1: emails won't get answered within two minutes? Exa-
0: well, I mean there's – and I don't mean this in terms of like, oh, those silly authors. Like a lot of the time this really sucks. Um, and the publishers drop the ball on this a lot. Like I'm on the writer's side here. Um, but I do think it happens. I do think that um, publishers sign books uh, for a lot of reasons. They sign books that are not – all like the reason is very rarely – this is the greatest thing I've read in my life and I want to devote my entire professional life Wouldn't to it. Wouldn't that
1: be great if every book <laughs> so, that you read was better than exa- the one before?
0: But like even the ones you signed, like people sign things because that's it's the right thing to sign and that love is often very professional and not personal. And so sometimes the feeling that happens when an author is so emotionally invested in a project comes off is very different than what a publisher is willing to give them and there's a certain amount of sort of a – there's a discord that happens. That the author kind of has to, you know, deal with, in terms of, well, the enthusiasm is going to have to still come from me, you know, and not from the publisher that I've linked up with always. And a lot of times it doesn't happen, and it's great, and everyone has a wonderful time, and um, you hit number one um, before Yay! you even, you know, debut, and everyone lives happily ever after. But. Um, On
1: beds full of money.
0: Similar, <laughs> similar to what you're saying. Like the work isn't done when you get signed. And,
1: and it also doesn't happen immediately. Like things take a long ass time.
0: Like one thing, um, you know, like as an editor, and I know we're kind of going a little long here, but I want to talk about it. Um, I had a colleague once who talked about this a lot. And she said that the most important thing you can do as an editor with a book you really care about is if you want to make it a bestseller the first thing you have to do is make it a bestseller in-house. And that's it's, – it's because it's not a given. Like you have to make your colleagues at the publishing house care about the book and it's not going to happen always. And it's this process of getting people invested, of getting an entire house and a company behind this project in terms of enthusiasm. And um, I say that it's difficult in a process to say that a lot of the time it doesn't happen. And that's what kind of leads to sort of this emotional disconnect, I think, between debut authors and um, the house, the team, as you mentioned, that's supposed to be around them trying to promote with everything they have.
1: Not every author gets to be a front list exactly. author. Exactly. But that's, that's fine. That's okay because mid-list authors make a good <laughs> yeah, money. No, it's fine. Make a good amount it's of totally
0: money. It's totally fine. It's just a perception game.
1: Yeah. And on that happy note, yeah. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much for joining us on – This, our 21st episode of Print Run. Remember, next Thursday, March 23rd is our first pages show. Get us your first pages at printrunpodcast at gmail.com. Also, if you want want to send us your queries, we're not going to be mad. Remember to review us, and we will see you next week. See
0: ya.